When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, girl. Hey, Slendy. Hey, girl. Hey, Slendy. Hey. Hit it up park. Hit it up park. Hit it with a strike. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 389 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. Padres, they just dropped two out of three to the Chicago Cubs. I thought it was a pretty disappointing series. Offensively, there were some things that didn't go the Padres' way that certainly didn't help. There was some of that today uh, in the Padres' 5-2 to two loss. I think I said five to three in my post game thoughts. Apologize for that. Five to two was the final. Um, yeah, there were there were some encouraging things as well, but some more of the same not coming through enough with runners in scoring position. Uh, Manny Machado struggling the first couple games. I, I think he's turning around a little bit. Juan Soto more is the bigger concern I think right now. Um, he I know he's getting on base still, but like hitting wise, you're just not seeing like encouraging signs. I mean, he went one for 12, I believe it was in this series. So still not turning it around. And maybe Mexico City is what the Padres need. Uh, the elevation is even higher than what it is at Coors Field. So maybe that's what is going to get the offense going. And then they go play the Cincinnati Reds, who aren't the best team in baseball. But at some point the offense has to be consistent. Like you can't rely on Mexico city to like, cause you're not playing in Mexico city, you know, the whole season or anything like that. Right. So any questions, any comments, feel free to put them in the chat. I will get to those. Uh, you can use the super chat button as well. If you want to support the channel, visit gaglionbros.com for their full menu, great cheesesteaks, garlic fries. You can visit breaking tea, hit the link in the description of this episode. Uh, for great San Diego sports gear there. Underdog Fantasy, great place for pick'ems, uh, best ball, draft. Um, for the Padres, if you want to go under on the Juan Soto pick'ems, I mean, that's what I'd recommend you to be doing right now, just based on the way that he's going. Uh, and I've actually hit on some of those, unfortunately. Uh, that's just the way it's going for Juan right now. And use my code TALKINGFRIARS on SeatGeek. For $20 off uh, your first purchase there. Um, so if you're going to a Padre game, 
this next this next homestand, Cincinnati, one of those games, Tatis's return game on May 1st, used code Talking Friars on SeatGeek for a discount there. All right, so let's get into this three-game series. I'm going to start with the first game and then work our way up to what happened in today's game and then talk about some other things that have happened around the San Diego Padres after talking about this series. And there's some other San Diego sports stuff to hit on as well at the end. Again, thank you everyone for being here. So let's start with Tuesday's game. The Padres lose this one six to nothing. Blake Snell was on the mound and it was another Blake Snell performance. Another Blake Snell first half of the season performance. He didn't make it more than five innings. The runs that he allowed that it doesn't look bad. He gave up two runs, but he walked five guys. Gave up a home run. This was the second time this month that he has walked five guys in an outing. And I do want to give credit to him for getting out of a few jams with runners in scoring position. And again, the line did not look terrible, but the five walks, like that's a problem. When you face better offenses, and the Cubs, they've gotten off to a pretty good start. I mean, right now, their record after this series is 14 and 10. So, they're off to a better start than the Padres are on, but the Cubs are not, you know, the best offense that Blake is going to be facing. So those walks, if he continues to have that walk problem, those walks are going to end up being runs like better, better offenses. They're going to capitalize on those walks, especially when you're not walking one or two guys, you're walking five guys. And even if they don't cash in on the opportunities, what's going to happen? the pitch count is going to go up, right? You're not going to face as many batters as you would if you were walking two or three guys. So I I continue to see Blake nibbling, continue to see him making excuses for, and and with the media, he has said, yeah, it's me, uh, the walks, that's been a problem. But I'm talking about like on the mound. You go back to the Mets outing, um, after actually after he left talking about the pitch calm and saying, you know, pointing to the camera, this is terrible. And then the Cubs outing on, uh, not Monday, they had the off day Monday, but on Tuesday and you see him blaming the umpire. He's not calling this pitch, not calling this pitch. He's saying that to Ruben and then asking the umpire when he gets out to the mound to break up the mound visit, he's asking the umpire where'd that miss when some of those pitches, yeah, they're not strikes. Um, yeah, there's sometimes where the umpires are missing, uh, they're missing pitches, but I didn't really notice that on Tuesday in this first game of the series. Um, and then after the game, he's, or it was on, I think, yeah, yesterday on Wednesday, I was looking on Instagram cause I posted a stat on his first two or his first five outings last year compared to his first five outings this year. And in the comment section, some people are commenting, I will be very happy when he isn't a Padre next year. And Blake Snell liked the comment and he liked some other negative comments in there as well. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, why are you paying attention to what Padre fans are saying on Instagram? You know, I don't want him to get down about himself. Maybe he's using this as fuel, like Padre fans are doubting me. I'm going to use this as motivation. If he is, okay, then hopefully that works. But I don't want him to be looking at this stuff and to get down about himself. 
I want him to be motivated and get out of this and not be the first half Blake Snell for the entire first half of the season and maybe stop that first half Blake Snell, you know, a month in instead of waiting till the second half of the season to pitch like Jacob deGrom and Justin Verlander. I mean, not kidding. In his career, his second half ERA is right up there with some of the greats, future Hall of Famers maybe, like Verlander. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Jacob deGrom could be if he can be healthy, right? And he will be if he's healthy, I think. He's just that good. Um, he's up there with those guys in terms of ERA in the second half of seasons. He is a totally different guy. So what is he doing in the second half of seasons that he's not doing in the first half of seasons? Is he walking five guys in starts in the second half of seasons? I don't think so. Seems like he's pounding the zone more um, in the second half of seasons. I mean, he has to be for him to have that much more success. So get back to doing that. I'm sure, I'm sure that he's watched a lot of second half of the season film. And he's like, okay, I, I was doing that then. I'm going to try this now. And I'm sure he has tried it, and it's just not working. So I'm not a pitching coach. I, I don't have a whole lot of recommendations for Blake. I'm just sitting here as a frustrated Padres fan watching this over and over and over again. And him saying after the game that he feels good, right? Like that's what he was saying. Like he feels good. Like there's just little changes that he has to make. He said he was missing uh, arm side up and away and it's like he could fix that but yeah a two six two six eight era after the all-star break since he made his debut in 2016 third best in major league baseball behind verlander at 208 and jacob Degrom at 254 and i think i wasn't alone in having the optimism that maybe blake will have a better first half than we're used to because Bob Melvin and Blake Snow in spring training were saying that, yeah, he's more prepared. Um, seems like he's more focused going into the first half of the season. He's in a walk year, so maybe there's motivation there. To get a bigger contract, be pitch well throughout the year instead of just the second half of the season. But it just hasn't worked out. Um, here's Blake. After the start, he says, I, I really like where I'm at. And this is from, I believe, Kevin Acey is where I got these quotes from. Obviously, the walks and the result is frustrating. But looking at the long season, where I'm at right now, moving forward, I'm really excited about what I'll be able to do to help the team win. When you trust the process, trust what you're doing, and stick by it, you'll be rewarded. And when you're rewarded, you can't be excited about those results because sometimes you had a terrible game, but the results will say something completely different. And I understand where he's coming from there about results and you know, he gets smacked, but balls find the glove, right? Or sometimes you don't get smacked and you made good pitches and pitches, you know, some of those just fall in or someone loses a ball in the sun, right? But again, just sitting here as a frustrated Padres fan, like I totally understand the process and what he's saying. And if he feels good about the process, then okay, I guess that's, that's great. I'd rather have him feel good about the process than not. But Padres fans, most Padres fans, right? They're not, they don't understand the process, what goes into starts. They're just looking at the results and they're just looking you looking at you start games and not be able to go more than five innings. 
and walking five guys twice in the same month to start off the season. That's what they're seeing. So I definitely understand Padres fans' frustration. Now, to the comment that he liked on Instagram, I will be very happy when he isn't a Padre next year. Do I see Blake Snell being a Padre next year? I don't. I think that the Padres don't want to overpay for Blake Snell if they don't get an extension done. And we've never heard any extension talks. We haven't heard any extension talks between the two sides. So there's nothing that leads me to believe that they will get an extension done before he hits free agency. And in free agency, usually starting pitchers get overpaid. Um, And the Padres, I just don't see the Padres doing that. With a guy that is so inconsistent and a guy that has not been the 2018 Blake Snell with the Padres. And what I mean by that is a guy that has been elite, you know, a whole season. And it's not just a second half thing, you know. I feel like the guys that you pay, that you pay $20 million to, they're like Joe Musgrove. Guys that can go deep into games, that you can rely on to go deep into games. And I just don't have that feeling with Blake Snell. I think this season he'll turn it around in the second half of the season and he can help the Padres in the postseason and be one of the better pitchers in the league in the second half of the season because that's what his track record has shown. But we're just waiting, right? That's what it feels like is after every start, I feel like I say the same thing. We're just waiting for the second half of the season to come because that's when Blake will turn it around. Right now, we're just going to sit here, continue, continuing to be frustrated about what we're seeing with Snow. Really, I mean, that that's, that's what it is, I think. Matt says Snow won't use it as fuel. He doesn't give a crap ever since Cash pulled him against the Dodgers. He's never been the same. He wants his bag of money. That's all he cares about. I, I, I mean, I disagree with that. Because in his post-game press conferences, you can tell that he's like pissed off at himself because the walks continue to be an issue. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the the liking of those negative comments does for him on Instagram. Like, why is why is he doing that? Why is he paying attention to what fans think? You know. I don't think that really does him any good. Yeah, ever since Cash pulled him, I mean, yeah, that that had to be a moment where it's like, man, I'm dealing in the World Series against the Dodgers. I'm dominating the top of this Dodgers lineup. Who was it at that time? Mookie, Muncie, Bellinger, I think. I'm dominating these guys. And you take me out for a guy that's been overused. Nick Anderson, I believe, is who it was. And then, obviously, the result, that was the result. Rays lose that game. And, yeah, that relationship was never going to be probably repaired. And so I wasn't surprised that Snell was going to be traded. Um, I don't think that he would sit here and blame that on his performance now. And he's never been the same because of that. Like he pitched really well in that start. Sure. He was pissed off about it being pulled, but he did all he could. He couldn't control that cash took him out. So 
if I were in that spot, I'd have confidence going into next into the next season. Like I did everything I could in the World Series. I, I had like the best outing of my life in the World Series. Biggest stage. I can go dominate anyone. I'd have the confidence. But I'm not saying he doesn't have confidence. It just feels like, um, well, it doesn't feel like it. I mean, just go look at the stats. He hasn't been the same pitcher since 2018 when he was consistently really good. And 2020, in that postseason, he was good. We haven't really seen that same Blake uh, consistently in a Padres uniform. We've seen it at times. We've seen him be good in the second half of the season. Sometimes in the postseason, he's had some rocky outings in the postseason as well here. So yeah, it's just it's just frustrating. It's it's kind of like a mystery. Like, why is this continuing to happen? Because I would think he's trying to make changes, but it continues to happen in the first half of the season. Yeah, it's 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 disappointing. All right. So, I mean, Snell obviously was like my main starting point here about Tuesday's game, but they didn't score any runs. You're not going to win the game if you don't score any runs. And they had plenty of opportunities on Tuesday night in that six, nothing loss. Top of the second, bogey's on second with one out, no runs scored. Kim grounds out the short, Carpenter strikes out. Top of the third, first and second with one out, no runs were scored. Soto struck out looking, feels like he's looking to walk. That's what I saw still in this Chicago series, Manny pops out. Top of the seventh, first and second, two outs, no runs. Grish lined out to third. Top of the eighth, first and second, two outs, no runs were scored. Crony popped out. Top of the ninth, first and second, one out, no runs were scored. Grish popped out, Tati struck out. A lot of opportunities to come through with runners in scoring position. And the Padres, they did not do that. And it's frustrating, continuing to be that roller coaster ride of Good offensive performance, and then nothing. Good offense for offensive performance, then nothing. Look at this series. Tuesday, shutout. Wednesday, they score five runs. Thursday, today, they scored two runs. Um, and went 0 for, right, I think, today, with runners in scoring position. I know Carp had a sack fly, uh, but I'm talking about hits. In this series, they went 3-for-24 with runners in scoring position. With the talent on this team, I'm sorry, that cannot be happening. That should not be happening. And, yeah, part of that struggle is the big guys in this lineup. They have not been the big guys in this lineup this year. They just haven't. Bogarts is an exception. Tatis, I've seen some encouraging signs from. And Manny... Today, I know we're talking about uh, Tuesday's game still, but today he hit a couple balls, a few balls maybe even, at least 100 miles per hour homer today. So I saw some encouraging things from Manny today. And the Padres, they changed up the lineup a little bit today, had Manny hit fifth, Crony let off. But Soto is still looking like the Juan Soto we've seen this year. Like it doesn't seem like there's a change. 
he got a hit today, went one for 12 in the series. Like, good for him. He got a hit finally in this series. Um, but it seems like he's continuing to look for walks. And on balls that are like on the outer half of the plate, he's still rolling over on the balls. And he's working on it. Like, I was looking on MLB Network and last homestand, Potters were at Petco and they had the ballpark cam. And Soto's doing drills where he's, he has like a closed off stance and he is literally doing nothing but hitting the ball to the opposite field. So as a lefty, has a closed off stance and is doing nothing but hitting the ball to left field, hitting the ball to left center. Like that's all he's doing in batting practice at Petco. So he's doing drills to try to hit it oppo, to try to get out of this, but it's just not happening. And I don't know why. Maybe I'll go look um, later at some video, but I mean, I'm not a hitting coach. I don't, there's some things that hitting coaches probably look for that we have no idea what they're talking about when they say it, um, or just some little thing that they look for that we would never look for. Uh, like pitching coaches, they look for things that we don't look for. You know, when a pitcher's struggling, what do we look for? Oh, he's missing his spots. Maybe he's tipping pitches if he's getting smashed. But pitching coaches can go deeper and like really slow things down, match certain things up, like when they were having success, when they weren't with certain pitches. Oh, this is going wrong mechanically. Like they just, they just can do things. Um, they just know more about Soto and his swing than, than we do. So it, I know it's doing nothing for us to sit here and complain about it. Like that's not going to fix it, but we don't work for the organization, right? We're just fans that are, you know, irritated and frustrated by Soto and others in the lineup continuing to struggle. Um, so yeah, Padres lost six nothing on Tuesday. Uh, when they got behind, look, it just felt like they they weren't going to win the game. And Tuesday was one of those games, and I, I totally understand. You know, playing in cold weather absolutely sucks. So it's one of those games where it's like, all right, let's just get through this game and move on. And that's that's what it was. I mean, they got shut out. And so it's easy for fans to sit there and be like, well. This is a game where they should have showed us something. It's cold weather. The Cubs showed us something, you know, and um, look, some fans, I, I get it. They're, they're really frustrated, and I understand that viewpoint, but also when the players aren't used to that, it is hard, I would think, as a player, just trying to look at it from a player's perspective as well. I would assume it's hard to – be totally dialed in in that weather. Um, but I know some people will just say, well, you're just making excuses for them. Um, I mean, I don't want to, I'm kind of tired of just making excuses for it because we are getting into the season. Now I did say the 40 game mark and we're not at 40 games, but I do, I, I still, I do have um, a, that, you know, I do have that frustration, that disappointment in me as as a Padres fan watching Soto struggle, watching Manny struggle, watching others struggle, Nelson Cruz, uh, Crony struggle at the beginning there. Um, yeah, it's just it's just frustrating. You know, didn't expect 
almost a month into the season to be sitting under 500, but that's here we are. You know, that's where we are. Um, on Tuesday, or not Tuesday, we talked about Tuesday. On Wednesday, Padres won five to three. Um, there were there were a few takeaways from this game. You know, Nick Martinez was great. Three innings of relief in his first relief outing of the year after coming in or, or coming into the bullpen from the rotation. He pitched tremendously in that last start against the Braves. And then in this relief outing, it was big because it rested the bullpen and allowed everyone to be available today. Now, what was disappointing about that was the Padres, they didn't have a lead there late. So some of the bigger guys in the bullpen didn't get in. Uh, but Honeywell pitched, Garcia pitched, Hill pitched. So I guess some of them did. But it, it did kind of give the bullpen a day off. So I think that was good. Um, and... Like that's that I think that's what we should be expecting out of Nick. He's gonna do whatever the Padres ask of him. Starting, all right, I'll start. Relief, all right, I'll I'll go into the bullpen and pitch my butt off. Whatever role. He's got his like he was telling Kevin AC, I think this week, I've got my money. Yeah, he wants to be a starter, but let's freaking win. Like that's his mentality. And I love that. And that's that's Ryan Weather's mentality as well. And he was sent down, and we'll definitely get to that. Michael Walker, he went five innings here, uh, three runs allowed, three earned runs, four hits, a walk, five punch outs. I don't think he was terrible. Um, I don't think Padres fans walk away from this start like, oh my gosh, Michael Walker was tremendous. Uh, but it was better than his last couple starts. I know that's a low bar, but making progress, that, that's what I saw in this outing from Walker. He, and I've said this many times, like Waka, he's someone where he's got to hit his spots. This is not a guy that can blow people away on a fastball right down the middle for the most part. I think he's gotten up to 96 at some point, but he's more of like a low 90 velocity guy. And so he's got his spots and that Milwaukee outing didn't hit his spots. And who was who did he pitch against? Was it the was it Atlanta or was it Arizona? I forget his start before the Chicago start. He was it was Arizona, I believe, in Arizona. He was better, uh, but then he had a blow up inning, right, and was missing some location. He's got to hit his spots, and I, I saw him hit more spots uh, on Wednesday, so I was encouraged by that. Didn't walk a bunch of guys, so that's good. Tatis went two for five. He had a big night, three runs driven in. Crony drove in a couple runs with that extra base hit down the line. That gave the Padres the lead initially. Then Tatis gave the Padres the lead back after they were down. Uh, you got to give a shout out to Hassan Kim. Defensively on Wednesday was tremendous. And at the plate, I mean, making things work, right? Uh, what did he do? He stole second base late. Then he gets to third on the Matt Sullivan, not Matt, Brett Sullivan, sorry. Uh, gets to first uh, or third on the Brett Sullivan sack fly and then scores on the Tati single. Sullivan, by the way, congratulations to him. He got his first major league hit today. So I know the Padres lost, but 
congratulations to him on that. He was he was in the minors for a long time, so good for him. Um, but yeah, like it was good that they won on Wednesday, but I still had the feeling like, well, it, it could have been a little bit better of a performance offensively. I know with the way the offense is going, you're just going to take the win, and I'm definitely going to take every win. Um, and a lot of guys got at least one hit, but like Soto went 0 for 5, and I, I know he there's so much focus on Juan Soto right now, and there's other guys that aren't producing either. Um, but look, Soto, he's one of the stars on this team. We traded everything for him. And so when he's not performing up to the level of expectations, not performing anywhere near the level of expectations, uh, he's going to get the focus. Um, Manny may have hit a home run if this game was not being played in super cold weather and the wind wasn't blowing in. Um, Nola 0 for 2, got pinch hit 4. He continues to struggle at the plate. With runners in scoring position on Wednesday, they went 3 for 10. So they came through a little bit there better than some games that we've seen as of late, including today's game. But still a lot of opportunities to come through, and they didn't. Left 6 on base. Shout out to Azokar, too. Had that sack bunt, right? I forget when that sack bunt was. But I believe that was... It was the first Tatis RBI, I think, right? Sack bunt, moved a runner over, and then Tatis drove in a couple runs. And that gave the Padres the lead. They got an insurance run as well. Um... The insurance run was by Tatis, right? That was the um, – sorry, I'm confusing these these plays. Crony gave the Padres the lead initially, and then Tatis gave the Padres the lead, the 4-3 lead. That's what they ended up needing. And then insurance on another single up the middle. Uh, but Azokar was telling Kevin AC after the game, like, yeah, I'm, I'm just – if they weren't going to give me the bunt sign – I was still going to take the bunt sign. I was still going to bunt anyway. That's what I meant to say. I was still going to bunt anyway because I, I knew my job was to do that and get Tatis up and boom, single and have the lead. I think that was when the Padres were down. So, yeah, just um, you're seeing some team effort some of these nights and that's, you know, the lower players, right, the non-superstars doing the little things, right? That's what That's what I'm encouraged by in this season so far and we're all just waiting for the big guys to come through right anyone else that i wanted to focus on for this game let me see here uh hater allowed a couple base runners in the ninth but um he has been Really good so far to start the season. 0.75 ERA. Really good so far. Right. I'm going to get to the chat, and I'm going to get to the game that happened today. First, a quick break. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right. 
Getting to the third game of the series, the Padres today, that fell five to two. There was the the lineup change, and so Crony let off. Manny was bumped down to the five spot, which I believe was the lowest spot that he's hit in the Padres order in his Padres career so far. So since t- 2019 opening day there, um, I was fine with it. I, I wanted Xander, like I said on my pregame video, I wanted Xander to hit at least top three because he's the Padres' best hitter right now. Um, just getting him the most at-bats possible, guaranteeing that he gets that bat in the first inning. But I was fine with Bomel changing it up. And he said post game, like, that's it. That's all I was trying to do. I was just changing it up. He didn't have any other reasoning as to why Manny was batting fifth, um, why Crony was leading off. And Crony usually gives you a good at bat. So I was fine with that. Having Tatis hit second. Um, maybe Soto should hit a little bit lower. See if that gets anything out of him. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, Soto, yeah, he might be struggling at the plate, but he still does get on base when he walks. Um, So do you want that guy maybe to get on base for Bogarts and Manny? Or do you want Soto to be hitting behind Bogarts and Manny and get on base? But then what does that do for, I don't know, Matt Carpenter or Nelson Cruz? the guys that are hitting behind Soto, um, maybe throw Crony in there, right? Like, what does it do if Soto's on first, you know? Do those guys behind him, you think those guys are going to hit one in the gap or hit one down the line and Soto's going to be able to score from first? Where I think there's a higher chance of that happening with, like, Manny or Bogarts, you know? So, yeah, I mean, Bomel, like, right now, he kind of just has to tell the media, yeah, our offense is struggling. I think they can turn it around. I think they will turn it around. Um, it's just a matter of time. It's frustrating. I know the guys are trying. Um, and it's just going to hopefully hopefully it happens, you know, next game. But maybe it's just going to take some time. But I'm confident that this team's going to turn it around. Like, that's what Bomel can say. I mean, for for some people, like Jim Russell – the other day on the wrap-up show, he was, and on Twitter, he kept tweeting out these cliches and um, like, it's early, you know, the talents there, the um, the track record, right? Tweeting out all these cliches. And I'm like, why? Why are you doing this? Like, it doesn't, and obviously I love Jim, but why? Like, you're mad at them saying things that they're supposed to say? Why are we mad at what they're saying post game? And he was saying how he was tired of these guys saying stuff, but not, you know, performing essentially. I, I think that's what his argument was. But they're being asked these questions by the media. And what do you want them to say? We're not going to turn it around. We suck. We're not going to turn it around. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a long season. No, of course they're going to say they're going to turn it around. Um, so our frustration should just be on the players not performing, not on what they're, what they're saying after the game, like you fans shouldn't get mad at, oh, Manny or whoever is saying, oh, well, we're going to, it's just, 
you know, it'll take time. It's early in the season. You shouldn't get mad at that. You just get mad at them not performing. Um, because when they do, when they say it's early in the season, they're not lying. It is early in the season. Uh, I, I think when Jim tweeted out the, the, those cliches, less than 16% of the way through the season. So yeah, it is early actually. Um, and I believe, I kind of have, I not kind of, I do have that viewpoint. Like it is early. It's frustrating, but it is early. And I think the Padres will turn it around. They do have guys with a track record. So why would I sit here and say they're not going to turn it around when history has shown their history is that they are really good hitters. You know, that, I guess that's just my, my view on it. Padres lost today, five to two. Um, Seth Lugo, man, he got, he got some unfair calls, uh, against him. Like what, what was the count? Two, two, I think to Hosmer strike three, the umpire home plate umpire doesn't call strike three. And then Haas hits a home run on, I think it was the next pitch, right? So it was a three, two county hits the home run. The inning should have been over. But instead, Haas hits a homer. The next guy up hits a home run. And now the Padres, they're losing instead of being up one nothing after the Manning home run. And so this game should have been closer than what it was. Some unluckiness. I mean, some balls that weren't hit very hard that were singles. Grisham, I mean, it's a pop-up right to him. He's camped under it. And at the last second, he loses the ball in the sun. And a runner ends up scoring because there's two outs. So he's just busting it around the bases. I think he was on first, maybe even, yeah, I think on first to start the inning. It was a high pop-up. And so this guy's running as the ball's in the air. And obviously he scores. It's just little frustrating things like that. I thought Seth Lugo pitched fine today. Um, should have been out of that inning where he gave up those couple home runs. I don't want to excuse the home run, those home runs fully. Like, yeah, you should probably make some better pitches. But the umpire needed to do his job better today. I mean, he was terrible, I think. We haven't seen the ump scorecard. Obviously, that'll come out probably tomorrow by whoever runs that account. But, yeah, I mean, the umps, man, I, I'm, I'm just tired of calls that and again the umpires the umpires are not why the Padres lost this series the offense needs to be better it needs to come through with runners in scoring position okay like I think we understand that but I'm just so tired of the the strike zone being a judgment thing and I know it's always been this way it's nothing new but it doesn't mean I'm gonna not be tired of it like no I'm tired of it you know um it, it shouldn't be a judgment thing a strike zone is a strike zone. It shouldn't be, well, this guy's strike zone is different from this guy's. No, a strike zone should be the strike zone for everyone. If it's a ball, it's a ball. If it's a strike, it's a strike. So hopefully the robots can come soon, the automated system, because the Padres and other teams, I don't want to make this just a Padres thing. This is a Major League Baseball thing. Every team in this league is getting screwed by some of these umpires' calls. And sometimes the team that gets screwed ends up still winning. But sometimes the team that gets screwed gives up a couple home runs 
when they should have been out of the inning, you know, little things like that. Uh, and it doesn't matter what the result ends up being after the missed call. It's the missed call. Like that's the problem. Like Jake Cronenworth today, ninth inning, a ball's at his shins and it's called a strike. And later in the at bat, he has to swing at a pitch. That's a little higher than his shins, but it was still low. That's probably not his pitch. He was going to swing at, but he had to swing at it because that's what the umpire was calling. And it was like a lazy fly out to end the game. So they're changing guys at bats. And they're just not doing the job correct. Like the strike zone, it should be 100% of the time correct. Because it's a strike zone. If someone's safe or out, it should be correct. It shouldn't be a judgment call, right? If a ball is fair or foul, it's fair or foul. Like it's 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 not it shouldn't be a judgment thing. And I know it always has been because that's just the way it has been. But I just I I'm just waiting for the robots to come because I'm just tired of tweeting out these videos where the umpire screws up a call and it's clear it's like wow. I mean, and there was a lot of calls this Cubs series where you know we're watching the game and. I'm sitting there uh, with my mom and the Padres get a call. And I'm like, wow, thank you. That shouldn't happen. It should be a ball or a strike. If Luis Garcia throws a ball outside, that should be a ball. It, couldn't, it shouldn't be called a strike. So again, this isn't just because the Padres got screwed. It's because umpiring, it should be, it shouldn't be a, the strike zone should not be a judgment thing. It's it's either it's a ball or it's a strike. And that's not the way it is right now. And I, I don't know when it's going to change. Is it going to be a couple years? Is it going to be a year? I don't know. But again, the Padres, they didn't lose this series because of the umpires, but that's just another frustration of mine. Um, Padres, they had a lot of chances in this game, just that like they had chances on Tuesday and didn't come through today. Um, let's see here. Soto grounded into a double play in the first inning. Sometimes this series, there were balls on the outer half of the plate and he's still rolling over to first base, rolling over to second base. It's totally reminds me of Eric Cosmer. I saw some of those questions or some of those comments on social media and I'm like, yeah, that's sure sounds it's these games watching these ground balls from Soto. It it is familiar. Uh, he struck out. With Kim on third in the third inning. Bases loaded in the fourth. Kim grounded out. Runner on second in the sixth. Carpenter struck out. Um, Seventh inning. First pitch. I like Tatis being aggressive, but when it's a reliever coming in, first pitch, it better be like a perfect pitch to swing at. First pitch, Tatis grounds out at third uh, with first and second with the runners on first and second. So there was one guy in scoring position there. A lot of different spots where it could have come through, made this closer of a game. I know the bullpen did not um, – they, they didn't, you know, have a shutout outing. Tim Hill did give up a home run. He was screwed on some calls as well. And that, that Swanson home run, oh, my gosh. The basket, I get it. It's It's – it's the same for everyone, but that's frustrating because you see it on TV 
Swanson, there's no basket there. That ball's hitting like the Ivy or maybe Soto catches it on the warning track. But the basket's overhanging the field. And it's like, well, that's a fly out. But because the basket's there, it's not. All right, so I can't complain about that too much because it's it's the same for everyone. But that's, that is one of the weird things about Wrigley that there's a basket overhanging. It's like a fan reaching over, but it's permanent there, you know? Oh, it's a home run. Um, so Tim Hill gave up that home run today. Honeywell pitched a scoreless inning. Garcia came in, pitched a scoreless inning. Um, man, that two-seam fastball that he threw today was nasty. I posted on social media, uh, I think on Hosmer's strikeout today, he had multiple. Not a surprise. Struck out how many times? Two. Struck out twice, hit a home run that he shouldn't have because he should have been struck out already. He should have struck out three times today, but umpire said no. Uh, Crony 0 for 4, Bogart's 0 for 3, but he did extend his on-base streak to, what, 27 games is now what we're at? Again, encouraging things from Manny. Homered, he hit the ball hard today. And hopefully Mexico City can continue this for Manny with the elevation. And maybe this helps get Soto going, but then they're going to go back to San Diego. Like, it's not like they're going to be in Mexico forever. Uh, Grish 0 for 3, Carpenter 0 for 3. Yeah, I mean, look, I know batting averages and everything, but Juan Soto is hitting 183 right now. You look at the Padres' order today, besides Brett Sullivan, who doesn't play every day, he had the lowest batting average in this lineup. 183. Grisham's 189. And then the next closest from Grisham is probably Crony, I think, 211. But he seems to be getting hotter as the season progresses here. But yeah, uh, a lot of opportunities this series to come through. Again, three for 24 with runners in scoring position in this series against the Cubs. That's not what this lineup should be doing. Not, it's just not good enough. Not good enough. Matt says the Cubs weren't even hot. The Dodgers smashed them in three of four prior to us. Their pitching staff is a joke and they dominated us. I disagree with the pitching stop being a joke. Um, Drew Smiley was coming off like his best outing like ever. Um, and Justin, is Justin Steele, I think is his name. I know Steele's his last name. He's one of the better younger pitchers in baseball. So there's pitching staff's not a joke, but I get what you're saying. Like the Cubs weren't even hot. They lost three out of four to the Dodgers coming into this series. Yeah, that's a series the Padres should win, but it is early in the year, um, and the offense is where it's at right now. So when they're not coming through like that, you're, they're not going to win the series. Yeah, so Viva Padres uh, brings up Ryan Weathers. Say they have Weathers, who is arguably more consistent, and Groom, who should keep improving. I think he's saying, like, Guy or Viva Pop is saying uh, those two guys they could bring up. 
with Ryan Weathers. So here's the deal with Ryan Weathers. So it was interesting what went on here because there was some family reaction. So let's get to this. Ryan Weathers, he was sent down the other day. He was optioned to AAA El Paso after having another solid relief outing. His velocity was down, and that was brought up on social media. Like, why is your velocity going down on your pitches when you're going to the bullpen? Wouldn't it be maybe going up compared to when you're starting because you're emptying the tank in the bullpen for that, like, one inning that you're pitching? But he still, as his mom pointed out, on social media, he still did not give up a run. So results-wise, in the big leagues, he should still be on the team. But if you're looking at it from the Padres' perspective, I agree with their decision to have Ryan Weathers be sent to AAA El Paso. I don't think the bullpen needs Ryan Weathers to pitch one inning every couple days, every few days. I don't think they need him to have success. At this point in the year, when it's early like this, I think it's best for the Padres to keep Ryan Weathers built up. Because what if an injury happens? Wouldn't you want Ryan Weathers to be able to come up and be right in there into the rotation? Be able to give you five innings, six innings maybe, like he did his last start before going to the bullpen? Wouldn't you like that? Or would you want him to have to build up more because he was in the bullpen if an injury happens, you know? Um, so, like, Ryan Weathers, he didn't do anything – to be sent down, really. I mean, unless you want to say the the decline in the velocity in this last relief appearance at Wrigley uh, in Chicago. But it's just where the Padres are at. Like, bullpen-wise, they're covered. You know, one-inning guys, like, they have lower guys in the bullpen that can do that. Tom Cosgrove, who just got called up, he can do that. Ray Kerr can do that. Steven Wilson, Tim Hill, Luis Garcia, they can do that. Ryan Weathers, he's a guy that had options, and he's a starter. And the Padres right now, early in the year, I think they want to protect themselves. Let's keep this guy built up in case something happens. I think that's what they're thinking. And Nick Martinez, obviously, has a guaranteed major league contract, veteran. He's going to be – it's not like they're going to have him stay built up as a starter in the minor leagues, you know. So it's just a roster thing. It's nothing against Ryan. Now, his family was not happy about it. I think his dad posted something on social media. But his mom also posted something on social media. And I'll bring this up to you here. I'm going to need to find it real quick. Because he was sent down before last night. Here it is. So Kelly Weathers. She quote tweeted Kevin Acey's tweet saying Ryan Weathers has been optioned to AAA. Tom Cosgrove has been recalled from El Paso. Kelly says, what a joke with the emoji like mad and curse words coming out of the mouth. Maybe his velocity had something to do with the fact that he had been starting. Let's not give anyone time for adjustment. However, he did throw two scoreless no matter what the velocity was. It's really not that hard to figure out. Hashtag, I'm over this. Hashtag, time to move on. So, 
is that what Ryan Weathers is thinking? Does he think it's time to move on from the Padres? Or is this just Ryan Weathers' mom being pissed off that Ryan has been sent to the minors despite him helping the Padres and probably outperforming expectations? And result-wise, doing really well for the Padres. I tend to think this is more Kelly Weathers just being mad that her son is not in the big leagues right now. Um, And I I understand her frustration, but I think she has to look at it from the Padres' point of view uh, and realize that Ryan Weathers is not like going down to the minors forever. I would be very surprised if he doesn't come back up and help this Padres team this year. Like he was good. And maybe it's this this isn't about about velocity. It's probably just about, yeah, let's keep him built up as a starter down with El Paso just so we can cover our butts here in case an injury happens, in case a couple injuries happen. You know? Because we do have a lot of veterans in this rotation, so they are older. Some things can happen. So I th- I just think, one, I, I don't, if I was Ryan Weathers, I would not be happy that my parent is tweeting and is pissed off at the team for me being sent down. I'd be like, Mom, can you please not do this? Yeah, I'm pissed off. Like, Ryan, he, he was talking with Kevin Acey. Like, yeah, he's, he was bummed out. Yeah, I'm pissed off. But can you please not create attention to this? You're making me, you're making our family kind of look bad here. Kind of makes, I was listening to John and Jim yesterday, and I agree. Like, kind of makes you cringe a little bit. Like, ooh, why, why? Do you have to send that tweet? Because now Padres fans all saw that. And there was the thing about Chris Paddock with his brother, right? Um, Tatis, when the whole suspension happened and his mom, you know, inserting herself into it. It's like, just, just let the player deal with it. You don't need to, to do what you did. Um, I, I just don't think that puts Ryan, I don't think that makes it better for Ryan that you're being, you're saying, what a joke. I'm over this time to move on when you're not player, you know? I don't know. It, it, just, it just feels weird. So that's another thing that happened. Uh, Jose Iglesias was signed to a minor league deal for the Padres. Had 12% strikeout rate last year. Hit 292 with the Colorado Rockies. A good start to the season. Like the first half of the year, he was hitting over 300. Then slowed down a little bit. He's like an average defender. This just gives the Padres some more minor league depth. I don't think it's any huge move, obviously. Um, I think you could read into his name when Adam Engel comes back, Ruben Odor is not on the roster and they could have Engel come up, be the fourth outfielder, have four outfielders, have a Zucar go down, have Odor go down or be the fade or him opt out. I don't know if he has an opt out in his clause or in his contract because he is a veteran, but maybe he is gone. Uh, and they just have Jose Iglesias come on and be a bench infielder. Because he does have 
a lot of big league experience, obviously. This is like his seventh or eighth organization. So now El Paso, their infield options, Tim Lopes, who had a good spring training, Matthew Batten, Max Schrock, Jose Iglesias, uh, Brandon Dixon as well, right? He is raking in AAA. Whenever he goes to AAA, he goes back down to AAA, he rakes. Um, feels like the ultimate like 4A player if there was a 4A instead of just AAA. Uh, because in the big leagues, I mean, it just feels like he he's that 4A guy. You know, there's there's the big leagues, there's AAA. He performs better than a lot of AAA guys, it feels like. But he, it's not like he's a player that fits for the Padres to play every day, you know. So there was that Iglesias move. I mean, I was surprised by it, but it's like, well, it's it's not a huge move. More middle infield depth. Maybe the Padres are anticipating Odor choosing to go elsewhere if they decide to not keep him on the roster. Again, that that's assuming that he has like an opt-out clause or something. I don't know. Um if I, I don't I don't know if that was put out publicly. I, I tried looking through um some articles. I didn't see anything about that at the time of the signing. So we'll see what happens there. Cause he hasn't, it's not like he's getting a ton of playing time. Um, but yeah, those were the other things that were happening around the Padres. Some other, you know, those were the other roster moves or those were the roster moves this series beyond what happened on the field. Uh, Jonesy for real says, even though it's early, I feel like the world is burning. I mean, that's what it feels like after every loss, right? Because the Padres, they took three out of four against Arizona. Then they lose six, nothing on Tuesday. And you know, we're all freaking out, right? It's, it's like, do you not remember what just happened in Arizona? They did just take three out of four. Like we're not in a terrible spot. Matt says it's not too early to make assessments. The team has too many holes. What part of Snell, Waka, and Lugo makes you think we can have a winning streak? Well, uh, Snell, Snell, I mean, just waiting till the second half, or he has a five-minute two-run appearance, and the Padres actually score some runs for him. Waka? Uh, deliver kind of like a performance he had the other night. Like, it wasn't terrible. Give the Padres six innings, just quality start, Padres score runs. Lugo? Same thing. Like, if these guys can give some quality starts and the Padres offense can score, you know, four runs, three, four, five runs, then that's how I see the, the Padres being able to, to go on a winning streak. Scoring one run in games, scoring no runs in games, you're not going on a winning streak by doing that, you know? Scoring two runs in games, most of the time, that's probably not enough to get it done. So, yeah, the the offense – not just those, not, not just Snell, Wakalugo, the offense is how I see them going on a winning streak. Preston says the offense will come around, but we are one ace of a pitcher short. I've been saying that all year. I think it's a little early to, to say that. The offense won't always be weak. Manny is ranked in the bottom five of all offensive players this year. He will turn it around. Yeah. I mean, there was a stat, I forget, maybe it was Jeff Sanders who put this out. I forget who put this out. But Manny's weighted runs created plus was, like, terrible entering, I think, today. 
I think this was in Jeff. Yeah, Jeff Sanders pregame notes. Manny Machado's weighted runs created plus entering today's game. The sixth lowest in baseball. Weighted runs created plus of five. Trailing only Dean Tagura, Aledmiz Diaz, Ezekiel Tovar, Elvis Anders, and Oswaldo Cabrera. I mean, that's not great. And his average was low. Entering, you know, today wasn't hitting balls hard. So yeah, it's been it's been a very slow start for Manny. And but I have all the faith in the world that he's gonna turn it around, no doubt. Like, I'm just you, you might think I'm stupid for this, but I'm gonna just look at yeah, track record. Looking at the track record, there it is. What he did last year, that wasn't that long ago. That that player's still in there. Um, just going through the chat here. Anything I wanted to bring up? Preston says Lugo has a hundred hundred innings pitch limit. He will one hundred percent be in the bullpen. AJ is going to make a move for a starter guaranteed. I wouldn't be surprised if AJ makes a move. But if Lugo goes to the bullpen, they could have Martinez finish the year in the rotation. Or they could have Ryan Weathers up or Jay Groom. You know, we'll see. I, again, I think that's early as well to, to say, yeah, definitely going to acquire a starter. All right. I'm going to get back to the chat here in a second. If you're just joining again, episode 389, Talking Friars Padres Cubs series reaction. I wanted to hit on Fernando Tatis Jr. Having some fun with the fans the other night. So this was what, the first game of the series? And fans are chanting like he's on steroids. And he is dancing like to the rhythm of the chant. Like he's on steroids. And he's just dancing to it. I loved it, and I posted some clips about it on social media, I think here on YouTube as well. Like, I loved it, I think, and I want Tatis to be himself and have fun and dance. Like, I don't want the fun to be sucked out of him because of the decision he made last year. Like, yeah, it was disappointing. We've already been through that. It feels like hundreds of times, but you can't change what happened, and I don't want him to change who he is who he, how he plays on the field, his personality, because of what happened. Um, there were some people that were like, that's not the time to do it. I don't like him doing that then when the Padres are losing like that. But then they, they would have been okay with it if the Padres were winning. And I'm like, no, just be yourself. Like, that's who he is. He likes to dance. The outfield. You know, he's just playing along with the fans. Okay, they're losing. All right, yeah. But I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal that he was dancing while they were losing. You know, of course, he cares about winning. But he's in the outfield. There's nothing going on in between pitches. 
So have some fun. Okay. There, there are some people that are like, well, I would hate for him to become, you know, the villain like A-Rod. And I'm like, I guess they didn't, they haven't seen how he's been treated by Padres fans and other teams fans that continue to love him. I mean, Kevin Acey in the Union Tribune the other day, he wrote a piece about how he was in right field, in the right field bleachers at Wrigley. And fans were, you know, chanting his name or whatever, and he'd wave at them like Cubs fans were doing this. And they would flip out when he acknowledged them. Like, Tatis is not, I don't think he's taking on the villain role. He was just having some fun with a few hecklers out in the Wrigley Field stands when it was like 40 degrees out, maybe even lower than that. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I liked it. Like, Tatis having fun. Baseball's a long season. So if you're not going to have fun with it, then it's going to feel even longer than what the season is, I think. So, yeah, I had no problem Tatis dancing. I thought it was funny. I think a lot of fans thought it was funny, too. Uh, JD's third asked Ben, how would you grade Bowman's performance so far this year? What letter grade? Um, probably a B. That's just me kind of blurting out a grade. I mean, sure, there's probably been some spots where maybe some pitching changes or leaving a starter in maybe too long or something, or he pulls a starter out, brings in a reliever, and that reliever sucks that night, but that's just us second guessing. It's easy to say, well, that move is the wrong move because, yeah, the result didn't turn out good. Um, I'm blaming the performance way more on the players than I am on Melvin or hitting coaches. You know, like some people are like, fire Ryan Flaherty. What is that going to do? Padres are fire hitting coaches like every season. That, That doesn't do much, you know. Players, they, they're the ones that are in the batter's box. They have to be better. Juan Soto just has to be better. Manny Machado has to be better. A lot of guys have to be better, be more consistent. I don't think we should be blaming the coaches when there's this much talent on the roster. I don't think we should be blaming co- the coaches for the Padres being under 500 right now. Maybe that's just me. All right. Um, Not talking loyal yet. Sorry. Let me change that. I'm going to get back to the chat. uh, But first, here's something about Underdog. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. 
After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, let's get back to the chat. Preston says it will change, guys. Remember last year, the god-awful start the uh, the Braves, excuse me, had. They ended up winning over 100 games still and were like eight games under 500 in May. Yeah. Um, Nationals in 2019 were well under 500. Way worse than what the Padres are right now. Padres are, what, 13 and 14 right now through 27 games? It's not like we're in the, the Rays division where you know, we're not going to win the division because they started off, what, 13-0 and or whatever it was? Like, it, yes, we're frustrated. The offense is not coming through as much as we want them to. But the season is far from over. Um, the division is far from over. They can definitely still go win the division. It's just... All we have right now is the games that they have played. It's not like we're five months down the road and we're like, well, look at the track record. Um, you know, now we've seen the ups and downs of the season. Right now, we're 27 games in, and so it's a smaller sample size. It's the only sample size we have to look at for this year. And so it's been underwhelming, and so we're, we're disappointed. But let's check in four or five months down the road and see when we have a bigger sample size and we look back at the whole sample size here, not just 27 games. You know, how many games for Tatis now? Six or like seven, seven, I think. Look back at the big sample size and see how these really talented players are doing. But right now, all we have is this sample size of games. So it gets, you know, there's more importance, it feels like, on every little game here. When there won't be when we, you know, when we're down the road. Yes, I know. I know JD's third. I know the umps aren't the reason for being below 500. It's just frustrating. It's either a ball or a strike, and that's not, what we're looking at right now. Uh, JD's third says Preston. Oh, he's talking to Preston. Uh, the Braves have a far superior front office and less drama and egos on that team. You can't compare us to the Braves 
run or the Nationals run. We have dysfunction in our front office. I mean, how do you know that we have dysfunction in our front office? Are you in the front office? Um, the front office has done everything that they have that they can to make this team as as great as it can be. I mean, did they they they're the ones that traded for Josh Hader? They traded for Juan Soto. They extended Manny. They have Tatis long term. They brought in Bogarts. They've already extended Crony. They extended Darvish. They extended Musgrove last year. They brought back Robert Suarez. Like they can't control that some are hurt. They can't control that some are underperforming. Sometimes you got to hold the players accountable and not try to look at the front office and coaches for, oh, this is why it's wrong. No, it, it's wrong because not. It's disappointing right now because the players are the ones that are underperforming. Yeah, I did see that, Matt. Padres have the lowest average in the league. I think it was entering yesterday, lowest average in the league. I was making a joke on social media. It's because we don't have Estier Ruiz and Brent Rooker. That's why. The A's have a higher batting average than we do, at least entering yesterday. I'm seeing this a lot. For our faithful 760 says, not signing that contract killed Soto mentally. Now he's pressing, trying to be anywhere close to 2019 form. I, I don't know. I mean, when someone's in the box, are they focused on, oh man, I have a contract that I'm trying to that I'm trying to go get while they're facing a pitcher? Are they just trying to get a hit off the pitcher? They're trying to get a hit off the pitcher. Um so I don't really buy that. I don't think he's pressing because of the contract. I think maybe he's pressing because he's just struggling right now. Um, and he's tired of grounding out. And because he's grounding out, maybe he's like really trying to walk because he's, he's just not hitting. Um, yeah. But whenever someone brings up like external things about someone in the box, I just don't really agree with that. Like, they're not thinking about a contract when they're in their batter's box. You know? I think he could be pressing just because he's in a slump, but not, I don't think, because of the contract. Yeah, Dodgers just lost that series to the Pirates, and the Pirates are hot, but do we think the Pirates are going to be a playoff team? It's a good story. But do we think they're going to be a playoff team? No. It's a long season. We're in April still. You know, the Padres, they're, they're going to be fine. Um, I'm just going through the chat here. There's a lot. I know you guys are going back and forth with yourselves, so I'm just trying to see if there's any questions for me to answer or any comments. Uh, is David Dahl still injured? Yes, I believe so. I think he's with the team, but he hasn't like gone on any rehab assignment 
or anything like that. Adam Engel is the one that's on a rehab assignment right now. Yeah, David Dahl, I, man, I, wow. I know it's early in the year, but I guess I forgot about him already because he's hurt. Jonathan says he's done with Juan Soto. All right, well, then, like Manny said earlier this year, don't jump on the bandwagon when he's raking, all right? Just just saying, don't jump back on the bandwagon when he's raking. Because I, I, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We can be we can be frustrated that it's happening, that he's that he's not producing. But I, I disagree with fans that are saying I'm done with Juan Soto. They should regret the trade. Uh, yeah, I, I I disagree with that. Um. Chad says, here's a positive spin for the below average start to the season. Considering how putrid the offensive numbers have been thus far, if you told me, excuse me, sorry. If you told me this team would one would be one game under 500 with that lack of offense, I'd say sign me up. Makes you think that the wins will pile up when and if the offense starts to click. Yeah. I mean, I brought this point up. I think it was after the Diamondback series that day off at the start of this week, like with all the stuff that they've been through being 12 and 12 at the time, I think it was being one game under 500 now with Soto sucking and Manny has sucked uh, to start the season. I'm seeing more encouraging signs, but Crony got off to a slow start. Suarez isn't healthy. Musgrove, we've seen him once. Like there's uh, the, the like one off day in like the first almost month of the season there's uh playing like every team they played except like one has a winning record um yeah it's it's been there's been a lot of stuff that they've had to overcome tatis obviously being out the, the first 20 games and i know that's on him but still they the padres had to deal with that they've had a lot of things not go their way and they're still they're not like the white Sox, right what is what's the the white Sox, man they have talent on that team and they are they're seven and eighteen, right? The Padres are not seven and eighteen. They're one game under five hundred. So yeah, when they turn it around, I agree, Chad. When they turn it around, um, the wins will pile up. I think, yeah. When the offense starts to click, I don't even think if they start to click. For me, it's when they start to click, because I think they will start to click. Jonathan asks, are you concerned about Soto? I am right now, uh, not long-term. I think he's going to turn around, but yeah. for like, If we're talking about, am I concerned about Soto for the next week? Yeah. Like short-term, yeah, because I'm just not seeing the changes. I'm still rolling over on balls. Feels like he's still looking to walk instead of do damage. Um, I was mess- messaging with someone earlier today like about dang, Grish has a better batting average than Soto. How the heck is that? Well, Grish is being aggressive. Soto's not. That's what I'm seeing right now. It doesn't feel like Grish is looking for walks. Maybe Grish was looking for some walks last year. He was striking out looking a lot. Soto, maybe this is like the most strikes in the zone that he's watched 
so far in his career or something like that, like at this point in the season, it just feels like he's being too selective. I, I, I like when he walks. I'm fine with that. I know some fans are like, I don't want to hear that. He's not paid to walk. But I understand that's a big part of his game. But I do want him to swing the bat more. Um, and I do realize he doesn't get paid just to walk. Uh, is this the real Soto we've seen with the Padres? I I, I hesitate. I, I hope not. If it is, then yeah, he's not going to get $500 million. And I, I don't, I don't think that there's any extension talks happening right now, especially with the way he's playing. I don't think he'd want there to be extension talks. The Padres and Juan Soto wouldn't want there to be extension talks because the Padres want to see him do it in their uniform. And Juan Soto, he doesn't want to sign an extension or negotiate when he's sucking. Yeah, hopefully we smash the Reds getting back from Mexico. Uh, Matt says, Ben, based on your track record theory, would you extend Soto for 440? Right now, no. I, I understand your point. But I bring up the track record for, like, I think he's going to turn it around this season. I think he's going to turn it around in a Padres uniform. But, yeah, I want to see it before I, I give the contract to him. Yeah. With Manny, the track record thing, we've seen him do it in a Padres uniform. He should have won the MVP last year, in my opinion. So I was fine with them giving him an extension. Like, And to be honest, I'd be fine with the Padres giving me an extension right now if they didn't give him an extension before the season started because of what we've seen of him in a Padres uniform. I'm not worried about Manny. And I'm not that worried about Soto long-term either. It's just super frustrating. Yeah, Chad. Chad says, good thing we're not in the NL or we aren't in the NL Central. We we'd be toast. Yeah, I don't I don't think long term we would be toast, but yeah, right now it, it wouldn't look too good. Because the Pirates, they're off to a good start. Brewers, I think or I knew they were off to a good start when the Padres played the Brewers. The Cubs have a winning record. What's up with the Cardinals though, huh? St. Louis Cardinals. Man, their pitching sucks, huh? They're 10 and 16. Like, we're not at that, right? I know we're all panicking. We're not at the Cardinals level. JD's third said, says, Ben, it's okay. We know you love the team and we love you for it. Opinions are like um, noses. Everyone has one. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. Opinions are like noses, okay? So, yeah, you disagree. I, 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 I'm I, guessing that's your, your point. I might have to use that. Opinions are like noses. Are there people that don't have noses? I don't think so.
Yeah, Brent Rooker's going off. I'm seeing that in the chat. Yeah. Um, he's like the A's three hitter. I know that's like cool. You're a minor league team's three hitter. Woohoo. But yeah, he's he's actually doing pretty good. The Padres just didn't give him, you know, the playing time. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of chatter here today. I like it. I like the conversation going back and forth here that I see in the chat. Matt says Seidler should be fuming right now. I mean, that's definitely not who he is. He is an optimist as well. He's someone that, you know, just enjoys what he has. Um, he's not someone that's going to panic over less than a month of baseball. That's for sure. If you've heard him talk, uh, about this team or just heard him talk publicly like that that's just not who he is so he, he's not fuming right now and should he be i mean he should be frustrated but i don't think he should be fuming we haven't, we haven't even haven't even played 40 games yet so the padres now they have an off day and then they have those two games in Mexico. They're the home team, by the way. Two games in Mexico City against the Giants. Good news. Or maybe it's not because maybe we would want, you know, Darvish and Musgrove to be pitching at Peco instead of in the high elevation. But uh, we have Darvish or Musgrove, I think, pitches the first game on Saturday. Musgrove, Darvish in these two games. And then they come back home May 1st, the Tatis home debut for the season his return to petco uh i hope it's sold out i saw something on social media today where there was a ton of tickets left open so hopefully that that's actually not true come monday uh i think there's the musgrove bucket hat giveaway on tuesday myers is supposed to make his return on may 1st but i did see he got on the il today with an illness but i don't think that it's a 10-day IL thing because it's an illness. It's not like it's an injury where you have to be on the 10-day IL for that. If it's an illness, I think he should he could be able to come back before then. And he's just on the IL like for however long it takes him to recover from it, I think. Like that would be messed up that they put someone if if you put someone on the IL with an illness that they have to be on the IL for 10 days, that would be stupid because they're not actually hurt. They're just like sick. So hopefully that's not the case because I want to see Will on Monday. That would be really cool. He, he deserves to get that standing ovation. Um, I mean, hopefully. I know there's some fans that they're not fans of Will Myers. Um, they, they're like, why does he get all this love? He struck out a ton. He wasn't that good. But as a Padres fan, I, I just have a connection with him, you know? being through the ups, the downs, like we went through all of that, you know. He was with the team in 2016 and 2017 when the team sucked, right? And he got to be there last year when the team was good, finally, you know. Uh, and so when he didn't sign back, it was like, dang, that that's one of us that is no longer going to be with us, you know. Uh, so hopefully he'll be okay to 
to be in San Diego. Okay, this is fair. This is fair. Yeah. Jen Ripper says, I'm fan, I'm a fan of Will Myers, the person, but as a player, he stinks. I, I think that's a, that's a fair thing that you can say. I wouldn't say he stinks, but um, I definitely understand that that thought. Like, yeah, like I, I love him as a person. Um, he cared about Padres fans, which was the opposite. It felt like of someone else that shall not be named. But um, both both probably underperformed contracts. But I love how much that he cared about the Padres fans, especially at the end here during that postseason run. Um, he could play multiple positions when he got hot, man, he got hot and it was, it was really fun to watch. All right. Let's get to talking about some other San Diego sports. So man, the San Diego loyal, what a game that was last night. I mean, so it's the, the open cup. For those that don't know about it, it's like a tournament with pro teams, amateur teams. It's pretty cool. Uh, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And the Loyal, they entered the tournament, I believe, in the second round. They won that match. And then they got a third round match with the Seattle Sounders, who play in the MLS, which is the highest level of soccer, club soccer in America. And so last year, they played an MLS team, the Galaxy. They lost. This year they play Sounders. It was in Washington and they lost, but it was a very entertaining game. And I'm not a diehard loyal fan. That's, that's me more with the wave. Um, when a, a loyal game is on Fox five or YouTube, like last night, like I'm going to watch it, but I'm not going to go like out of my way to watch every single game. But last night I was locked into that and it was disappointing being down 2-0, then being down 3-1 because they just got back into the game they when they got it, when it, when it got to 2-1. They had the penalty kick, they scored on it. All right, they're back in it. But then like 2 minutes later, Coke Vegas uh just didn't block a ball, didn't block a shot which he should have blocked and the defense did hurt the loyal there. Allows a goal and now it's 3-1, and it's like, well, there you go. There's the chance. Uh, you were right in the game, and now you're right back out of the game. More minutes have ticked off ticked off the clock, blah, blah, blah. Just didn't feel like they were going to be back in it. But then the comeback came, and there was a brilliant goal um, that made it a 3-2 game. And then the last minute, the last, literally, the last minute of stoppage time in regular, in, in the 90 minute after 90 minutes in stoppage time, Kyle Adams makes a tremendous shot, a goal that went in really fast. It was just perfect. Um, got a rebound, or, or it was a loose ball, makes the shot. And this was after Joe Corona. He made a brilliant uh, shot to, uh, not tie it, to make it a one-goal game, 3-2, I believe, um, minutes earlier on a free kick. So there was the penalty kick, there was the free kick, 
Corona scored twice last night. Then Adams scores, ties the game. And so it's tied going into extra time. And there were two 15-minute extra time periods, for those that don't know, 30 minutes in total. And Seattle scores. But then Simba comes in as a replacement player. And this was near the end of, I think, right? Or maybe it was the beginning of the second period. But it didn't look like the Wave were going to win. Like, they were down again. It was 4-3. But then Simba comes in, immediately makes an impact. I think it was a corner kick, header in, and now it's a tie game again. And now it feels like, wow, okay, two extra time, or the two extra time periods are going to go. The third minutes after 120, it was going to go to shootouts. And it was like, oh, okay, well, the loyal, it's a shootout. You, you can, you can win that. But then they allowed that fifth goal. And the Sounders won 5-4. And the penalty, because it came on a penalty kick, because there was a foul inside the penalty box, and that was a sucky way for that to end. I mean, with the way that they came back, it just sucked. I mean, Simba, so he had the header, the goal to tie it, but then he also committed the foul at, at the other end. And it, I think it was a little debatable on if it should have been called because Simba was defending the Seattle player. He turned to go, I think to the left and Simba was just right there. And so the ref, I would I imagine saw that the Seattle player tripped. And so he called the foul, but it wasn't, it didn't look like, Oh, Simba, you know, was trying to push him down or trying to trip him or anything like that. It just happened. So, you know, to come back like that, lose on a penalty kick, it sucked. But it was a tremendous, it was a tremendous, especially the second half, tremendous end of the game. Uh, goals that I'm probably not going to forget in a while, especially the one by Kyle Adams, the header by Simba. Uh, very entertaining. And so the Loyal now, they will play on Saturday against El Paso. By the way, there was a, a moment where I was like, okay, they're definitely not going to have a chance of winning. Like, it's not going to be tied. They're going to lose because Hackworth, uh, he had a header chance in the 89th minute before the stoppage time. Uh, and I was like, okay, that was their chance right there. So they're they're going to lose this game 3-2. Kept fighting back, and they ended up getting all the way to extra time. Played the 120 minutes. And that was, again, like they they were playing an MLS team. I know that the Sounders, I guess, I was listening to the broadcast, watching the broadcast, and the Seattle Sounders weren't playing like their best team because it's not a regular season match. So if they don't feel like they need to, it's not like a final or anything. They're not going to play all their best players. So I, I understand that it wasn't like the Seattle Sounders at their best, but it's still an MLS team. Like it would be like the San Antonio missions or the El Paso Chihuahuas coming up and beating the Padres, you know, like, and the loyal San Diego was like El Paso was like San Antonio or Lake Elsinore coming and beating the Padres, you know, like that would have been huge. 
uh, and they came up just short, but it was cool. It, it was it was a fun game. I love the fight from them, and I'm going to keep – I'm going to – maybe I'll tune in a little bit more. I'm probably still not going to go out of my way because usually they play on the weekend. Like they're playing this Saturday. The Wave have a game, so I'm going to be paying attention to the Wave. I'm going to be paying attention to the Padres. Uh, when the Aztecs are playing football, basketball, I'm paying attention to that. But I'm uh, – I'm 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 probably a little more interested and hopefully there's other fans too that watch this and we're like, yeah, I'm I'm definitely more interested in the loyal now. Um and that's why, you know, seeing that the community that they built starting three, four years ago, whenever it was, maybe it was five. Uh, but they started and with Landon Donovan and everything, he's now not the head coach. I think it's Nate Miller and not Nate Miller now, but he's I think the president still. Starting with that, and they built a fan base. They play at Torero Stadium. And now for this news that came down the other day about MLS, I'm kind of torn on it. Like, I want MLS here. I love it. And I, I, pay atten- I definitely pay attention to the MLS San Diego team more than I do now to the Loyal because it's the highest, um, the highest level of American club soccer. It's, it's one of the, the major, it would be like a major team. And so, yes, I, I would be one of those where I'd pay attention more because it's a, it's an MLS team. I'm starting to like soccer more, but I'm not, it's like baseball where if San Diego had, if it wasn't the Padres and it was a minor league team, I would still love that team, you know, um, or I'd be like a diehard. I'd watch all the games of still that team probably. With with the loyal like soccer just wasn't my main sport growing up, but I'm, I'm continuing to have more and more interest of it, and hopefully other fans have that as well. Um, but yeah, getting back to MLS. So the the news came out was it yesterday? I think yesterday about um, MLS San Diego. They are clearly the leader in the clubhouse, according to ESPN's Jeff Carlisle. Clearly the leader in the clubhouse for an MLS team, an expansion team. The league, I believe, right now is at 29, and the league wants to get to 30. Las Vegas, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Las Vegas is an option. Um, but there's some other hurdles there. Where here in San Diego, there's already soccer success in San Diego. They can use Snapdragon Stadium. J.D. Wicker was in this ESPN article that Jeff Carlisle wrote the other day saying, like, they can sell Pepsi there or Coke or whatever if San Diego State sells the other. But there's not, like, conflicts there. The only thing is Snapdragon Stadium is Snapdragon Stadium. They're, they're allowing – they'd allow the MLS team to come in and play in Snapdragon. I think they would get all of the the ticket sale, the the parking, all of that from their events. So it it, it seems like it would make it easy for an MLS team to move into Snapdragon. So everything's in place for San Diego to get this MLS team. It just has to go through now. And so right now I'm in the headspace like we're going to get an MLS team. It's just a matter of when are we going to get an MLS team. And Jeff Carlos says that a decision, I guess, could be an agreement could be made by September. Um, 
MLS hopes to have one, I think, by the end of the year. And, you know, when they, when they say clearly leader in the clubhouse and there's names attached to it and Gene Maker is speaking, seemed like at length in this ESPN article about this potentially happening, MLS, uh, the commissioner, has already talked glowingly of San Diego. And they've already, San Diego has already had success, a lot of success with the wave. It just feels like, yeah, this is, it makes sense. It's going to happen. I'm just torn that this MLS team that could come in, feels like it will come in. It could just totally destroy what the loyal has built. And I understand it. Like if this new MLS team comes in, they don't take the loyal name, the logo, anything. And it's just a new team. I understand that. And maybe the loyal, it just falls apart. I, I would kind of understand that. It would be unfortunate. I kind of understand that. But I'm talking more about like the people, the people that have spent years building up this loyal team. If they don't get a chance to help this MLS team, if the loyal end up folding or whatever, I think that's wrong. Because they're these people that work for the loyal, like they have spent years doing this building this up just to get run over by a London, I think it's a London billionaire, uh, Mohammed Mansour, $3.6 billion net worth to have him come in and just run over this franchise and not bring the people that worked for the loyal, not giving them an opportunity to help this MLS franchise. If that happens, that would suck. You know, that's kind of how I feel on it. Like, I, I would love to have an MLS team. I hope that we get an MLS team. It looks like we will. But I don't want the, the the people that have spent years working for the loyal to now be looking for work and they don't get a chance with this MLS team or, you know, stuff like that, you know. Um, like the players, I know that the players, they're going to get probably new players because – the MLS players are better than these players. But I'm talking like the the president of the loyal, some of the support staff, like, you know, that. Uh, other departments of the team. I don't want all of their work to just, you know, mean nothing all of a sudden and not be given another chance, if that makes sense. Um, but I guess they're the Mohammed Mansur, he is this billionaire and he is kind of pairing up with Saquon, I believe in this bid for an MLS expansion team. And it looks like it, it's, it will happen, but you got to cross the finish line. You know, I've been listening to Darren Smith and he's obviously, he knows more about this than I do. Uh, and He's talking about how, well, it's San Diego and you got to get the paperwork done and a lot, it takes a lot to cross the finish line. So we'll see if they can cross the finish line on this. It's exciting. Uh, I, again, I, I want an MLS team here, but I, I, I feel bad for the loyal because it doesn't look like this new team that comes in will just take the loyal and become an MLS team. It seems like the new owner will just make a new team. And so hopefully 
that owner will, again, present some opportunity to the folks that have spent years building up this loyal team. If the loyal end up, you know, folding, not really bringing in money because there's an MLS team here, which would get all of the attention in, in the men's soccer world in San Diego, right? So that's my my thoughts on that, I guess. Um, let's see what the chat's thinking. The Wave, by the way, they play on Saturday against Orlando, trying to get their fourth win overall on the year. They're coming off that big win in L.A. against Angel City FC. Um, let's look at the chat here. Okay, where did I leave off here? I want to get to the Super Chats, if there's any here, the comments, because I do obviously value everyone's time. If you're new, you were like, why is he talking about soccer? I At the end of shows, I hit on some other San Diego sports because I don't have a San Diego sports radio show to do that, um, and I'm passionate about other San Diego sports. It's not just the, the Padres are obviously number one, but I'm passionate about other San Diego sports. I'm a diehard San Diego sports fan. Uh, so, and I think, I think that there should be more coverage about some of these other teams in the city, not just the Padres. So that's what I try to do a little bit at the end of some of these shows. Chad asks, fast forward to 2025, what does Juan Soto's current contract look like? So what, what is he going to get? I mean, right now it's impossible to predict. I think the only thing I could say is, okay, maybe he gets like 300 if he sucks with the Padres. Cause I think teams will say like, this guy is look what he did with the nationals. Like they're willing to take that risk. Um, if he gets back to being like Juan Soto, like he was with the nationals, then it'll probably be 500 mil. Uh, but right now where we stand, I, I don't know. We, we can't answer that right now because he hasn't performed with the Padres up to the level that he wants to, that we expect him to, but there's the track record with the Nationals that is so good that you can't have a conversation about a Juan Soto contract without going back to the Washington stuff. It's not like it was a one-year thing. No, it was, what, three years of greatness. Uh, Gil says next San Diego MLS franchise should be named. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, San Diego FC, SDFC. I've seen some names floated around. I don't know. I want it to be the loyal just, just because of all the work that they put in to grow this. But I realized that that probably isn't going to happen. So, yeah, I don't know. Thank you, JD's third. Uh, ben, we appreciate you, true media guy. I appreciate it. I mean, I just view myself as one of you, just a, a diehard fan that has a lot of thoughts about the team and loves communicating with other fans. So I appreciate you. Appreciate all you. Gil says, San Diego has had enough minor league soccer teams. We need a professional club at the highest level. Yeah, I think so.
J uh JD's third. Come on, man. We need a professional baseball team too in San Diego. Don't stone me. It's a joke, guys. Yeah. They're a professional baseball. They're gonna get they're gonna turn it around. I know they're not playing like the San Diego Padres we expected, but again, we're not even a month into the season. Let's take a chill pill in terms of like the long-term view. Matt says, thank you, Chad. Ben doesn't appreciate me at all. No, that's not true. I just disagree with some things that some people say. No, if just because I disagree with what some people say doesn't mean I don't appreciate. No, of course I appreciate. Thank you, Chad. Ben deserves a lot of credit, though. He puts in a ton of work. Gotta love the work ethic. Thank you. All right, is there anything else to hit on? Did Bob Melvin say anything like of note today? I haven't seen any tweets about it. Usually there when there's tweets about it, he said something notable. I love the Tatis quote yesterday, by the way, about the Kings, that Padres being Kings. Maybe some fans don't like that because they're like, hey, you know, you're under 500. Why are you talking like that? Why are you don't say that you're you're a king? or the Padres are kings when you're not playing at all like that. But yesterday he said, people say we're dogs, but I don't feel like we're dogs. We're effing lions in the jungle. We're effing kings. I like the confidence. I don't know where that came. I mean, Kevin AC, he wrote the quote. So it was probably during just the post media scrum. I didn't see it on camera anywhere. There's no video of it. Um, I like the confidence. I know that that confidence might hurt. That might, it might make the Padres look bad at the end of the year. Because remember, Tatis at FanFest and saying the Padres, uh, they don't care who they play in the World Series. They're going to win anyway. They're going to win it all. Um, Soto talking, I think, earlier this year about the Dodgers. They should be scared of us. Tatis here. Like, get that that could make them look bad at the end if it doesn't work out but i'd rather have them be confident than not confident right i don't want them saying oh you know i don't know man i don't know about this team i'm not confident in this team um i don't know if i can turn it around no have that confidence they got this it's just a matter of time if you don't have confidence I, i'd imagine obviously i didn't play in major baseball uh if if you don't have confidence up there at the plate or on the mound, I would imagine that you're not going to have much success, right? I wouldn't think you would. All right. I think that's going to do it. Long episode today, almost two hours. Episode 389, Padres Cubs series reaction. Talked about a lot of other stuff as well. Thank you, everyone, for the time. Be well. Enjoy the off day tomorrow, the Mexico, Seri- Mexico City series this weekend. And I'll talk to you all later. Go Padres. See ya.